Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. To the Everyday Conversion Podcast, episode 24. Get everything we talk about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash BOM24. And today I studied uh, 2 Nephi 6, 7, and 8. And it was interesting because as I was reading six, I realized, wait a second, Jacob's sharing the exact same scriptures that Nephi shared in First Nephi 21 and that he expounded on in First Nephi 22. Um, you know, there's a few few that stuck out to me. I'm like, wow, I remember hearing that. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Gentiles shall bring thy sons in their arms and thy daughters shall be carried away on their shoulders. Um, I will contend with thee, with him that contendeth with thee. Um, those are all things that are said again in uh, 2 Nephi 6. And the, the really interesting thing to me is the fact that the reason Jacob's sharing these scriptures is because Nephi asked him to. Um, you know, it says in verse 4 of chapter 6, I will read you the words of Isaiah, and they are the words which my brother has desired that I should speak unto you. So Nephi found these this this scripture, these scriptures. Um, which I think is Isaiah 49. Let me look back here. Yep. Found them so valuable, so important that not only did he teach them, but later on he asked his brother to also teach about them and to expound on them. So I thought that was interesting. And it I made me realize that uh, perhaps I should pay a little more attention to, to Isaiah 49. And apparently it's, it's rather important. Um, you know, and it has this, it's talking about the about you know the Jews being um, and the house of Israel being uh, protected and restored through the Gentiles um, and the restoration. Uh, so so it's a very important um, theme, apparently that the Nephi found really important to have shared again and again and again. The other thing as I was studying is I've continued to underline and note when the three main purposes of the Book of Mormon are found. Um, so, you know, the great things that God has done for those before us, the covenants of the Lord and that Jesus is the Christ. And I've been doing that and, and I use, I use my bookmark that I made. And if you've listened to any of the episodes from this year, I'm sure you've heard about it, but I created a bookmark that just basically says why the book of Mormon was written. And it has those three, um, three purposes. And I underline each of them in a different color. And then when I find, and I keep it next to my scriptures. And so when I find a, a verse that, addresses one of those three, I underline it in that color. And I keep that 
that that a bookmark in my scriptures, and that's what I use as my bookmark. Um, if you haven't got a copy of that bookmark and you want to, uh, you can get it at everydayconversion.com forward slash bookmark. Um, and hopefully it'll help you because it's been really cool for me to go through as I'm noticing. And, and I think that's the reason as I've been studying this year that I've really come to notice how much the Book of Mormon talks about covenants and how much it talks about the everlasting covenant and the importance of covenants and that God will will fulfill the covenants that he has made with Israel. And it's been really neat to see um, see that as I've been as I've been reading. Um, okay, so Second Nephi six is the same stuff from First uh, Nephi twenty one, and then we get into Second Nephi seven. And there was something interesting that I really liked in um, verse one. Let's see here, verse one and verse two. Uh, verse one, it's right at the end of verse one where it says. Uh, well, throughout verse one, Christ is basically saying, um, you know, where's your bill of your mother's divorcement? You know, who's put, or who did I put you away or who have I sold you to? Um, and then he finishes it by saying, behold, for your iniquities have ye sold yourselves and for your transgressions is your mother put away. So basically he's like, look, you left me. You're the one that left that moved away from me. And, and what I made a note of was it's always us that separates ourselves from Christ, from God. It's never God or Christ that separates himself from us. We're always the one that moves away. God is faithful. God is always there, and he's always reaching out to us. But it's us that moves away. And so what the Savior's saying here is, you know, you know, was I the one that put you away? Was I the one that, that divorced you? Was I the one that turned away from you? No. It was you, your iniquity sold yourselves. You sold yourselves. You left me. You left. You walked away. You moved away from me. I didn't move anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. You're the one that left. And then in verse two, I love this scripture because he kind of continues on that same, in that same vein. And he says, wherefore, when I came, there was no man. When I called, yea, there was no aunt, none to answer. Um, so he's like, look, I, I called and nobody responded. And then he says, oh, house of Israel, is my hand shortened at all that I cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? And he's like, look, am I not able to save you? And then he says, basically, he says, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness and their fish to stink because the waters are dried up. And they die because of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and I make sackcloth their covering. So he's like, I can do everything. I have all power unto the drying up of, of rivers and, and other amazing miracles. And basically his point is, I have all power, but if you don't answer me, I can't save you. If you don't turn to me, I can't save you. And as I was reading that, I realized that all the godly power which Christ possesses, which is infinite, he created the heavens and the earth. He, He has all power in heaven and in earth. All of that power, super cosmic powers, as the genie in Aladdin would say, do not, even with them, he cannot, or perhaps it's better to say he will not override our agency. And that's essentially what he's saying. He's like, look, I'm completely able to save you. I'm completely able to redeem you and protect you and, and guide you. But if you don't let me, I can't do anything. If you don't turn to me, I can't do anything. 
you know, it's, it's that same, uh, you know, from, from Revelation, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's there. He's knocking. Like he said, I called and there was none to answer. I tried over and over. I mean, this is, this is Isaiah. So this is, you know, um, Old Testament times over and over again, the Lord reaches out to Israel and they don't answer. They don't turn to him. They don't repent. They don't draw near unto him. And if they don't do that, even with all of the super cosmic powers that the Savior has, he cannot save us. He will not force us to be saved. We have to answer. We have to open the door. We have to seek him. He hasn't gone anywhere. We have left him. We have sold ourselves for our iniquities. But the minute we turn to him, he's there. He's ready. Uh, you know, the same same thing is is continued in, in chapter 8. And in chapter 8, the Lord says uh, through Isaiah, through Isaiah, through Jacob, through Isaiah, <laughs> um, you know, Jacob quoting Isaiah, who's speaking messianically. In verse 6, 2 Nephi 8, 6, it says, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. And then in verse 8, he says something similar. He says, For the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. And this is one of those, I can't remember, is it a chiasma, I think they call it, where he, he, he reverses things. So first, it's my salvation will be forever, my righteousness I won't be abolished, and then my righteousness shall be forever, my salvation from, from generation to generation. And I had never thought of this before, but I made a note here. It reminds me of Helaman 5.12. Wherefore, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, that you must build your foundation. For when the devil shall send forth his mighty world, or... Yeah, his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwinds, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power to bring you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe, because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. That's what Christ is talking about. He's talking about that sure foundation. He's like, look, no matter what happens, even if the earth passes away, the heavens disappear, it doesn't matter. My salvation is still there. I am still here. I am here for you, and I will always be here for you when anything and everything else fails because it's that sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall because it's always there. It's always there, and it won't ever leave. And then in 2 Nephi 10 and 11, Christ continues this, and he, he references Moses and the, the house of Israel being led through the Red Sea on dry ground. And he says, Art thou not he, speaking of Christ, who hath dried up the seas, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the, of the, of the sea a way for the ransomed to pass over? Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. So when I read that, I read him basically saying, Just as I brought or Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage into the promised land by, by my hand only. You know, no one else could have parted a sea so that they could walk through on dry ground. Just as he did that, 
the redeemed of the Lord shall return. We will be redeemed and brought to our spiritual promised land by the salvation of the Lord. It's symbolic. It's symbolic of being delivered out of bondage, the bondage of sin and death by the power of God, by the power of the Savior. And then um, 2 Nephi 8, 12, and 13, this one was interesting to me. You know, basically the Lord says, uh, I am he, yea, am, I am he that comforteth you. Behold, who art thou, that thou shouldst be afraid of man? who shall die, and of the Son of Man, who shall be made like unto grass. And forgetteth the Lord thy Maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens, and laid the foundation of the earth, and hath feared cons- continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, and if he were, if were, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? And as I read that, what, I, what came to my mind was that we need to put things in their proper perspective. We need to not overestimate what man or anything else can do to or for us. And we certainly need to not underestimate what Christ has done and will do for us. It seems like what the Lord's saying is like, come on, don't forget what I have done. Don't forget how powerful I am. Don't forget what I can do for you. Don't get so caught up in what man might do to you that you forget what I can can do for you. It's a it's a perspective thing, you know. Let's let's put in proper perspective. Who's who? It's basically saying let's remember who the winner is. Let's remember who the champion is, and it's not man, and it's not anything mortal. It's me. It's the Savior. I am the one that created the worlds. So over and over again in these three chapters, it's it's Christ basically saying, I I have all power to save you if you will let me. If you will turn to me, if you will reach out to me, I will save you. But I can't do it if you don't remember that I can and reach out to me and ask me to save you. Uh, verse 16 in 2 Nephi 8. really like this one. This was good. Uh, the Lord says, I have put my words in thy mouth and have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, Behold, thou art my people. And as I'm reading that, you know, I read when I read "Thou art my people," I think covenant. Um, you know, thou art, "Thou art my covenant people." You know, you're you're my people. Um, we've made a covenant. We've you know we've made some promises to each other. But when I read "Put my words in thy mouth," it made me think of Revelation of prophets. He's saying, "I have given you revelation. I've given you the ability to hear my word." And when I read uh, that He has covered uh, thee in the shadow of mine hand. I read, and what I understand of that to be is that he's watched over and he's protected us. He's taking care of us. He's um, looking out for us. And then as we get to the end, he he quotes, and I'd never noticed this before. And I, again, I think it's really neat that we were reading the Book of Mormon on, right on the heels of reading the New Testament and just finishing Revelation. Because if you look in verse 19, it says, These two sons are come up unto thee. You shall be sorry for thee. If you look at the, the footnote for sons, 19a, Revelation 11.3, which is the prophecy about the two prophets who will prophesy in Jerusalem for three and a half years, and then will be killed. And then in verse 20 of 2 Nephi 8, it says, continuing with that same idea, thy sons have fainted, save these two. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull in the net. They are full of fear of the Lord and the rebuke 
the rebuke of thy God. So it's the same prophecy, uh, which I thought was interesting. And then it's, uh, and then at the end of the ver- chapter, it's just a call to to um, shake off um, the chains and the afflictions and the bondage, and to come unto Christ. So that's what I got out of those three chapters. And what I'm excited about is now when I dig into chapter nine, um, I'm going to read it not in isolation. It, it's again, I think that's one of the things that I've realized this year is. Uh, in times past as I'd read the Book of Mormon, I had read the chapters in isolation and I had not read them as if they were all part of a continuous story, which they are. Second Nephi um, seven, six, seven, and eight are Jacob rehearsing and quoting Isaiah. And now in nine, he's going to expound on them. And it's going to be a therefore this. You know, he's going to say, now that you've heard these things, let me talk to you about it. You can see that in the very first verse of chapter nine. I just looked at it as I was as I was um, as I flipped my scriptures to the last verses of chapter eight. I didn't even read it yet until right now. But verse one of chapter nine says, "And now, my beloved brethren, I have read these things that ye might know concerning the covenants of the Lord that He hath covenant has covenanted with all the house of Israel." So he's saying, "I shared these things with you so that you can know the covenants of the Lord." Oh, that's one of the main purposes of the Book of Mormon to remind us of the covenants of the Lord. Maybe I should pay attention. Maybe I should read those verses or those chapters again. Maybe they're important. Maybe that's why Nephi had Jacob read them again, because it reminds us of the covenants of the Lord. We are covenant people. And as it said in 1 Nephi, uh, when Nephi had his vision, the covenants of the Lord, the fullness of the gospel was taken from the Bible. You don't read about covenant nearly as much in the Bible as, as we've read in these first, what, 72 pages of the Book of Mormon. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat uh, to realize that. And I'm excited to dig into chapter 9 and um, connect it to those verses in Isaiah that Jacob just shared with us. And also, I remember in times past when I read chapter 9, 2 Nephi 9, that I realized that the themes and the phrasing and the words that Jacob uses here are used throughout the Book of Mormon. It was a foundational address for the Nephite nation. You know, just like I'm trying to think um, of of ones that would be similar in our day. Um, Beware of Pride uh, by uh, President Benson, I think. Uh, That's one that's quoted over and over and over and over again. It's foundational. You know, it's it's used a lot. And, and And Jacob's address in 2 Nephi 9 is kind of that way. And I'm excited to dig into that tomorrow. But you can get the links to everything we talked about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash B-O-M. What verse are we on? Or chapter are we on? Or chapter, what episode? B-O-M 24. Everydayconversion.com forward slash B-O-M 24. And we'll see you in the next episode. All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. Oh.
But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org.